everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Dark Art Society podcast. I'm your host. My name is Chet Zarr. And today I'm excited to bring you an interview I just had with Dave Cooper. He's really a uh, an amazing artist uh, and an early influence of mine when I started painting. Super talented, visionary, um, really unusual unusual vision um that i love anyway we just had a really fun excellent conversation i know you're gonna like um okay so what is uh going on with me i've been i've been painting these little if you're watching on youtube you could see these little two by three inch studies uh because i need to bring a little bit of money in and i found these little panels i had lying around and i thought hey i'm gonna paint a bunch of tiny paintings and um i got a frame to go with it i found a, a two by three inch frame so that's kind of fun so i'm going to be selling those this week at some point if you're on my patreon you get first dibs all my patrons get first crack at buying everything if you want to check it out that's uh patreon.com slash chet and you can join for as little as a dollar a month that may be changing soon but for now it's a dollar a month and up uh also, the Dark Art Society Patreon is patreon.com slash darkartsociety. Same deal. You can join as little as a dollar a month. If you join at the $5 above level, you get a 20% off code for... Hold on. I wasn't prepared. Um, Skull Shop. S-K-U-L-L-S-H-O-P-P-E. This is one of their skulls. Oops. Isn't that amazing? You get 20% off. Anyway, um, yeah. If you join at the $5 and above level on the Dark Art Society Patreon. People get my Patreons confused, but I, I have two separate ones. I don't know if that was such a good idea to do, but I did it. I'm stuck with it. Um, anything else going on? No, just these little paintings. Let's see one it's gonna be all blurry though wait let me change the focus see if you're not watching on youtube you're not seeing oh come on that won't i can't get it to work anyway uh yeah that's been it i've been uh, uh same old grind with me nothing new and exciting really uh, getting almost done with these three commissions I've been working on. Well, one of them's done. And uh, as soon as I finish these little tiny paintings, I'll go back to that. I'll go back to those last two uh, commissions and then move on to the next one and hopefully dig myself out of this art hole. I think that's it, right? Is there anything else? I always forget. I'm never prepared. Anyway, who cares? You don't want to listen to this. You want to listen to the amazing Dave Cooper interview I just did. Super cool guy. Super great artist. Really fun conversation. And I think you're going to love it. Okay, here we go. Thank you for listening or watching or both. Hello, Dave. Chet. We're recording. 
Yeah, I'm so so honored to be here. I've been a fan of yours for a long time. You know that. Are you serious? I didn't know that. <laughs> you did. No, I didn't. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, I I think I mentioned to you recently that I've been um, looking at your time lapse stuff, which mm. is a big inspiration. But I've been following you for oh, a long time. That's so funny. Okay, because I was gonna start off telling you this. Um, I first became aware of your work right at the beginning of when I first started painting and I was just kind of learning and, um, I was kind of following in the footsteps of my friend, Cam DeLeon. Oh yeah. And so, cause he was, he was a little ahead of me. He had already had his kind of his print business going and, you know, he told me how to put like corners on a print and, and mount it and all, all this stuff. So he was really yeah, yeah. amazing about all that stuff. And he introduced me to your work. So this must've been like <laughs> 2000, late nineties, two thousand, pretty early in my career. Yeah. And, um, he had, well, it was, there's that one, he had either a print or that one painting of the two girls with the teeth kind of going, I guess. Oh yeah. Um, Cinnamon buns. <laughs> so anyway, uh, it was just, it was really, uh, uh, formative for me to see that wow. work at the time, because yeah. I was still figuring out what am I even going to paint? It's like, I was really influenced by like, uh, you know, aside from the classic Rosetta Giger, you know, people like this, um, uh, Mark Ryden and yeah, Brom were a couple people that really got me like, Oh, you can paint weird shit for a living. And, uh, so anyway, I was looking for, I don't know how to do this thing and just learn about yeah, painting. Yeah. And your, your stuff was just like, I was completely, it, it, I was mind blown at the what you were able to do with the paint. Just, hmm. just seeing that, that is so crazy hearing that from you because yeah. <laughs> I feel like you're the the more accomplished painter. No. And like when I look at your <laughs> textures, like it's funny you mentioned that one painting, cinnamon buns, because when I look at that painting, I'm like, oh wow, like I nailed it on that one. But it's rare that I get it that good, you know? Oh man, no. And when I see that texture, <laughs> it makes me think of the way that you do flesh, where it's like. It's kind of like a weaving of tones or something. Wow. Well, that's six time. That's, that's, uh, uh, wow. That's really kind of you to say. Yeah. It's funny. Cause I, you know, I, I definitely see you as the, 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 the guy, the better artist here. <laughs> like I'm it's like crazy when I watch, it's going to get embarrassing with both of us complimenting each other. I hate that, but I can't help myself. <laughs> but when I watch your, your time-lapse videos, like, I'm so jealous because it seems like, you know, like I get this I'm feeling all the time where I watch a, uh, an artist who seems to know what they're doing more than I do. And where I, I feel like I can, I can, I can achieve the objective I'm after, but it takes me so long. And I, during the whole process, I don't feel like I know what I'm doing, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I see you, it's like in one sitting, you, you just like nail everything. Oh, wow. Wow. That's yeah. That's funny <laughs> thank you i appreciate that but that's that's crazy to hear uh well the thing is you started before me and you influenced my painting so that puts you kind of like above i say so, I mean, so we'll leave it at that <laughs> <laughs> but what were you doing before that um effects. you were in like special effects right yeah 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 okay. i've been and doing that yeah uh, i met cam through tool through my friend oh, Adam, because I was in uh, makeup effects and Adam, the guitar player was also in makeup effects when I first okay. met him before he started tool. And then he left the industry and started tool. And, and uh, 
and uh, introduced me to Cam. Yeah, it's funny too because when Cam showed me your work, uh, you know, Cam's a genius. He's amazing. He's just amazing. That's yeah, crazy what he does. Yeah, yeah, and it's and uh, it was just <clears throat> funny because he showed me your work and I was like, oh, I could see your influence on Cam's work. I can wow, totally I never see it. Of that either. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I can. It's clear. It's as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh wow. And it's, and you know, you see. Um, incredible artists and you think how did they do it it's you know it's they're singular paint uh, creative geniuses and then you see everybody's got an influence of course know? yeah and so uh as soon as i saw it i was like oh i see camp's influence <laughs> which is cool you know it's like we all have them but uh yeah he 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 spoke really highly of you and it's funny too because he told me he's like yeah you should I, you must have known him back then or because he said you were really I don't nice. think we've ever met, but um, we've been in touch. Okay. On, yeah, because yeah, he was like, you should contact him and hit him up. And I was like, oh, I was like way too nervous. I chickened out and never did it. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> yeah, how weird is that? Um, but yeah, it's just, uh, I'm just such a big fan. And uh, I relate to you saying you don't know what you're doing when you when really paint. Yeah, yeah. Because it's like, you know, I, I feel like. At this point, I know I can pull it off. You know, I know I can pull it off if I work with it long enough. Right. And, but it's like still, some of them are quick and some of them take forever. And it's just like hmm. you can never, you can never tell. I, I can't. But did you go to art school? No. That's like one of my things is I feel like I'm the only guy who didn't go to art school. Oh, no, I, I, didn't, didn't, I, didn't go to art. I didn't go to art okay. school. <laughs> Makeup effects was kind of my art school in a way because I got to work right. with all these amazing artists. But it was, I mean, I learned a little little bit about color theory, and but it was mostly sculpture. I was primarily a sculptor, but I was a painter too. Like I painted- Like monster heads and stuff. Yeah, right? creature masks and suit, monster suits and stuff like that. So Very cool. Yeah, it was a, it was a great education, but- um, I wish I'd gone to art school. I mean, don't you think back and think? I do. Yeah. I mean, like I'm, I'm kind of of two minds because I feel like I wouldn't have necessarily developed all these weird techniques that right. I kind of love now because I've just completely made it up on my own. Like, yeah, I can't I've believe that. This, this thing in my personality where if someone tells me how to do something, I like kind of recoil from that you know it's like i'm gonna figure it out on my own it's like super childish but um it got me to where i am and i like where i am so i feel like and the other thing is like going to art school i i never would have succeeded like i was such a terrible student oh, i really? just i didn't like being told what to do i didn't like anything about it really like i dropped out of high school so oh wow yeah i i remember um i was especially i was like that in my art classes in high school yeah i was like i just would not listen to the teacher she was she would tell me about primary uh, mixing um uh how to mix colors and it's like i was using black and she was like you got to use the opposite color on the color wheel and i was like no i just wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't do it and of course i did you know as i became a painter i'm like oh, okay i see what she was right you know, i should have listened yeah. to her but i just couldn't you know, I, yeah, it's I, funny when I learn a tech or when I, when I invent a technique for myself <laughs> and then like years later, i see some kind of thing on Instagram. It's like, Oh, okay. They already knew about that. Years ago. <laughs> but you know, I had to come to it myself. Yeah. 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 I think that, I don't think that's super uncommon with artists. I think you have to have like a certain right. amount of kind of, I don't know, self-determination. Uh, Stubbornness. Yeah. And just, just to, 
to be able to learn it because it's hard to learn. Um, and I think that's why, I don't know, so many people give up because it's difficult. You know, you got to, especially in the beginning, you got to push through and, or at least yeah, that's I how feel it was like for me. Be, you have to be pretty obsessed. Like yeah. I was, I was like delusional for, for, you know, decades, like mm -hmm. somehow I thought I had something special in me and it wasn't <laughs> showing up on the page for decades and decades, you know, but like, I think that's what makes an artist is that they have this perseverance and this kind of deluded personality that actually ends up paying off. Right, know? right, right. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's a delusion until it happens and then it's mm -hmm. not a delusion anymore. So it's yeah, I mean, like if, if you took me and, or you, and after five years we gave up, we're like, fuck it. It's not working, you know? Right, right. Then you're not an artist, yeah. <laughs> but if you persevere, <laughs> suddenly it happens. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of crazy. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's something to be said about, uh, having that kind of self belief, you know, cause I remember yeah. even when I was first starting, uh, and I still kind of feel this way in a way, like I am so, I so believed in my work that, that I hadn't even really done yet. Like I'd just done a few paintings in the beginning, but I, I knew I could do it. That, that would be, yeah. and, it's, and it was good and, and it should be valued and um and i felt like it's just as i went through my career it's like people are just not getting you know it's like you're never as big and popular as you would like to be and and i and it was always like people just don't see my value they don't see how good yeah. it is and it's like even at this point you know it, i guess it's ego to some degree but but i feel like you know i really believe i believe that that my stuff is really good and that it should be like in museums all over the world. I really believe in that. And the same, I mean, it's, I love like, that. and I believe this about your work and, um, all, you know, almost all the artists I've had on this podcast, it's like, it's just, I think, I don't know, think of what it's like such a, what we're doing is so, um, archaic in a way oil painting yeah <laughs> today's totally. world it's like, and getting more so all the time. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. It's like, uh, you know, like we, it's like we, we're, we're into, uh, I don't know, like creating acetates or those old records, you know, those old <laughs> records that you can break, yeah. you know, like the, the thick plastic ones. It's like some weird <laughs> old kind of, uh, thing that doesn't make sense. But, you know, as long as there's an audience for it, I guess it's, it's I mean, it, I think it's what makes us unique is that we you know we care enough to put in the time like we've both put in decades of work right, right. thousands thousands and thousands of hours yeah yeah and uh hopefully that translates to the viewer you know like a, right. a discriminating viewer is going to see work that has that care and time and love put into it and realize it's different from crap yeah <laughs> or, or ai you know ai artwork or whatever it is <laughs> Yeah, you can, it, it's, it's, uh, it's the caring you can tell. And it's like that with, with, uh, music as well. I think I, I see that in music yeah. a lot. It's like, you can tell when people care and you can tell when they don't really care, you know? Totally. Um, yeah, we went to a concert recently. We were given free tickets and we, and we had a joke between us, Mari and I, that we wouldn't even look up the artist. We were just going to go because we needed a night out, you know, mm -hmm. it turned out to be this like right wing 
country music thing. <laughs> and it was just so formulaic, like not having any investment in the music. We could just sit there and be like, wow, this is just like you took, you know, something from column A, something from column B. Right. Delivered in a certain kind of enthusiastic way. It's just like completely empty garbage. Right. Yep. And you can tell. You can tell. Mm. You can tell when people. Well, some of us can. The, the place was <laughs> right. packed true. with fans. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Not everybody can, or they would never career. <laughs> so you are Canadian. Um, sure. I just wanted to do, do a quick. I, I watched this uh, uh, um, interview with you. Um, preparing for this uh, on the pencil to pencil podcast, I think. Oh yeah. And uh, that was a really good. Oh yeah. Thanks. Interview uh, and, and like a good overview of kind of like you're growing up. So I don't want to focus too much on that. I'm going to maybe link that so people yeah, can, whatever, can whatever see that. But, about. but I do, cause I mean, you've done so much in your career so far. It's pretty incredible. Um, you've done a, you've done, have you done more than one cartoon yeah, two two uh two animated TV shows. Two for animated kids. TV shows, crazy. It's okay. So it's like indie. You started as an indie comic under underground comic guy, um, and then you did you do the you did paint. You started painting after that, and then the yeah, like I had kind of made a name for myself as a cartoonist over the course of like a decade or so, mm -hmm. and um, when I came out with my last series, Weasel, I was kind of like. I kind of had the feeling that I wouldn't be able to top that for a while mm -hmm. or if ever, you know, I was very proud of it. And it kind of coincided with, um, like I'd wanted to be a painter for a long time, but I, I basically kind of like maneuvered my somewhat of a name in comics to be able to get like, um, a couple of gallery shows with, uh, an LA, um, Jonathan Levine. Mm -hmm. And, uh, he was in Pittsburgh then or no Philadelphia. I forget. And uh, La Luz de Jesus with Billy Shire. Right. So I just kind of like in one step, I went from comics to to painting. And because of my name in comics, I was able, like I had a bit of success right from the start as a mm. painter. So I was very fortunate that way. That's it. You know, I, I never, oh, I, there's, I've, I, uh, there are some parallels between us, I believe. Uh, one is that you're five days older than me. Really? Yeah. <laughs> November 12th. Cool. My birthday is November 12th. And according 67? to 67? Yeah. I'm 67. 67. I'm, uh, November 7th. Yeah. 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 67. That's <laughs> Isn't that crazy? You got all that hair. I, what the heck? I, I got lucky with the hair. Black but beard. I, I'm getting some gray hairs, though. All right. <laughs> this is the TV show gave me this white color. I bet. <laughs> it was like I looked at a picture of myself. At the beginning of the season, at the end of the season, it was just like, <laughs> I remember, color was gone. I remember I did, a, uh, when I was working in effects, I, I was trying to, there was a certain point where, um, I'll get back to our, our parallels too, but there was a point yeah. when um, I kind of saw the writing on the wall with makeup effects and how everything was going digital. And I was, I was into digital, like I got into 3D just as a hobby because it was fun. And um, so I started this, I was kind of the head of this little digital department at spectral motion this this effects company they're going to trying to branch into um digital stuff and i did my first movie digital the digital effects for a movie and i didn't know i knew how to do it but i didn't know anything about like a pipeline and people helping you so i was kind of doing everything and and 
uh, I was so stressed out that my hair started falling out. It's like I would wow. go outside on my lunch break or smoke break, and it's like my hair would be falling out. It was so stressful. That's wild. It was it was terrible. But anyway, I was gonna say the 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 um, I didn't realize we we did kind of have that in common as well as switching careers. Uh, you know, after a successful career in our chosen industries, you know, because I just I quit maybe. 15 i started i started in like 86 87 and i and i and around wow. two, 2000 is when i was like okay i gotta get you out were young yeah i started right actually that's the same with me what am i saying yeah you yeah, started when you were like 11 or 12 or something doing, well doing yeah the comics, as, right like not professionally but i think by the time i was 18 i was working professionally right yeah i was like 18 19 <laughs> so because because did you graduate in eight? Oh, you didn't graduate. Would you have graduated? <laughs> That's a sore spot with me, Chad. <laughs> Would you have graduated in 85? Uh, I think it might've been 87 or something. I'm, I'm really bad with that. I but I had already failed a couple of grades. So. Oh, okay. Okay. It's hard to. I was just going to say, cause I graduated in 85 and I probably should have graduated in 86 because we're at the end of the year our birthdays. Okay. And so it's yeah. like, I really, I was always struggling cause I was a little bit like almost a year younger than a lot of people in a way. You oh, know wow. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, but yeah, so that, that's, that's, uh, I didn't have quite the fast success that you did as a, as a painter. Cause I didn't really have a name for myself because when you're doing effects, it's, uh, Ooh, I got this fly. Hold on a second. Let me put this fly out. <laughs> What a cool studio. Those little bottles of ink. Okay, I'm back. I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> this is becoming a like a running joke on the show. This is like the third time I've done it. Um uh, a fly will come in. Impressive. All the way from the back. And it always comes in my room and it's like it doesn't stink <laughs> that bad in here, does it? But it's like the flies <laughs> always end up in here. And I have to catch them. Um so anyway, uh, what was I saying? Uh, 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 oh, I didn't have success uh, quite as right. fast as you because I didn't really have a name. Like I had a reputation. I wouldn't know. Like that takes balls to start without some. Like I, I don't know if I, if I would have ever had the balls to or the confidence to approach a gallery. You know, unless I already had some sort of something to offer. Yeah. Well, you know, I was. I. Let's see. I mean, I was, I, I, I was at two thousand year 2000. I remember cause I was working on planet of the apes and I was in the, the trailer, Which one? uh, the timber, the timber, okay. uh, the terrible ones. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and I was in the trailer and I, and I was like, okay, if I can, I was getting really into Bekshinsky and, oh yeah, you know, all these artists. And I was like, man, I want to paint so bad. I want to do this. And I painted a little painting in a, just with acrylic paints, the stuff that we were uh, repairing gorilla gloves with. I was like repairing gorilla gloves really? in between shots, yeah, for some huh. big fight scene. But I was like, if I can paint this, if I can paint, I'll, I'll do this. And and uh, and I did it. And I painted. And I was like, oh, I I painted a cool little painting. It looked pretty good. And um, so so I just was I was kind of doing it. If I worked in effects for. 
I didn't leave for seven years. The first seven years mm -hmm. I was doing both. I was doing like the day job and effects and then, yeah, that's smart, you know, and then there was like cannibal flower. I don't know if you heard of cannibal flower, but that was like an LA monthly group show that they would kind of take anybody. Oh, okay. what gallery? It was like at a warehouse. It was like a weird art party, oh, okay. you know, but all the galleries went there, like think space, uh, um, Gary, a copro. Yeah. Uh, Gary really likes you too. Um, he told I me, like Gary, he told me, <laughs> I told him, I, I just showed at his gallery recently again for the first time in years. Oh, really? For, for what? Just for, one piece, like a group show, um, uh, blab group. Show. Oh, I think, yeah, I was in that too. I was in that. I didn't go to it though. I was at the opening. You were at the opening. Yeah. Yeah. I like, went down for it. Oh my God. Shit. If I would have known that I definitely would have gone next time. Next time. Tell me, are you, are you in next year's? Uh, yeah. In the fall, this, the this year. Yeah. Yeah, I'm supposed to put, like, I haven't started yet, but I definitely I haven't either. <laughs> yeah, I got a piece of that. I, I haven't made it yet, though. Um, so anyway, yeah, so that's how I did it. So you, you kind of had a success right right out, out of the gate because of your name and comments. Yeah, like, uh, it, was, it was shocking to me, really. <laughs> you didn't expect it? <laughs> Not really. I mean, I was, I was just like pleasantly surprised. Like, oh, this is, this doesn't seem like, you know, this is I easy. What are they talking about? The star struggling artists. Yeah. <laughs> like my first show I think was at, um, Jonathan Levine and I think we sold everything. Wow. Like, that must've oh. been amazing. You know, it's, it, um, gives you so much confidence and then you just like pour that back into the work. And then I had a show at Billy and, um, like I could be seeing things, with like rose colored glasses, but I seem to remember it was pretty close to selling out that one too. And then Jonathan expanded into this much bigger gallery in and, you know, in West Chelsea in New York city. And that one did really well. And then again to LA and that did really well. Wow. Uh, had like created that big space, Billy Shire fine arts. Oh yeah. That didn't, last I was on, long. I was like on the top of the world, you know, I was, I was so happy. I was making, I think the the last show I did, with Billy, I made these huge paintings. Everything was big. Um, everything was kind of pricey. And it was just like, wow, this is so amazing. Like I'm, I'm going in this, this, <laughs> this trajectory, you know? And then the, um, the recession hit like mm -hmm. a couple of weeks before the opening. And it was a dud, like, oh, I was, you know, cause I was, I was sort of living as though I could depend on this money, you know? Mm -hmm. And then it's like, oh, wow. You know, it was a shock, like, <laughs> like a splash of ice in your face. You know? <laughs> right. Reality hits you in the face. I'll never forget that, that, uh, opening. Then the day before the opening, uh, Patricia Arquette, who's like my, one of my biggest Hollywood, um, uh, crushes mm -hmm. came to the, to the gallery because she wasn't going to be able to be there for the opening. Oh, wow. So she wouldn't see it. So I, I like walked her through it and everything which is a thrill. Yeah. I get into my car and I go back to the hotel and there's that Alicia Keys song playing on the, on the radio in the car. Um, anyway, some kind of like high adrenaline song. I'm just like, you know, I'm like on the top of the world. And then on the opening, it's like, not, there were no red dots. I was just like, Oh fuck. Yeah. Wow. Everything turned on a dime, but you hung in there. What did you yeah, do? I what did you do? A couple years off. Oh, really? Um, 
how'd you make I money? Went, for I just kind of had my tail between my legs and I was just, I don't even remember. Maybe I was doing like um, commissions for people off and on, mm-hmm. but just kind of like coasting and trying to be as, as, as smart with my money as possible. Right. And I don't think it was until 2010 that um, I had another show and that was at Billy uh, Jonathan and Levine and it did pretty well, but it was like smaller pieces. Mm-hmm. But during that, um, three years I was pushing pretty hard to get into animation. Cause I thought, well, maybe, you know, that, that industry is going to be doing better than fine art, which is based on everybody. Like all the buyers have to be feeling very confident financially right. to, you know, to want to buy art. And uh, so that's when I kind of made that switch and had a bunch of luck um, in that industry as well. So what, how are you, uh, focusing? What was your, how are you focusing on getting, what did you do to try and get into animation? Uh, well, like basically before, before I made this decision, I would occasionally get, um, inter- like invites from studios. Like, would you like to pitch something or, you know, can you, can we, um, that's pretty cool. We, uh, option <laughs> this or that. And I would sort of always be like, no, I'm a painter, you know, I'm a fine artist. <laughs> so, so basically when I, when I was terrified after the recession, I, the first two calls that came, I just was like, yes, let's do it. And I focused, focused very um, intently on, on trying to satisfy these um, clients. One was Nickelodeon and the other one was a independent uh, producer named uh, Michelle Malanson. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so they, they both took years, like, you know, I think they both, both might've taken about four years for, of me, like trying to convince them, you know, like that this work oh, is good. Oh, wow. Okay. Them giving notes and back and forth, back and forth, you know, during the option or the development period. Right. But you're getting and, uh, paid for that, right? When they option. Not really. Like no? they, they give you an option, uh, fee, which in the beginning sounds amazing. You're like, yay, you know, $30,000. Mm-hmm. But then after four years, <laughs> yeah, like, wait a minute. <laughs> so, uh, the weirdest, one of the weirdest things was that both of those shows got picked up right around the same time. Oh, wow. So, so I had to make a decision and, um, Nickelodeon insisted on exclusivity. So I had to go to the other show and say, look, I know I've been developing the show with you, but I'm not going to be able to help with production anymore, you know? And the, the extra weird part was that the, the production where I wasn't allowed to help was in my hometown. Like oh. the animation company was based in Ottawa. <laughs> That's so weird. So I'm flying to Nickelodeon like <laughs> a couple times a month, sometimes like getting completely fatigued and working my butt off, but I can't like, you know, drive five minutes away and right. This other project or else I get in trouble, you know? <laughs> weird weird few years yeah so yeah because i always you know every i i've always had a dream of doing like a a movie or animation project or something with with kind of with my work so yeah that's another amazing accomplishment uh you've had uh well i feel like um i mean what have you ever considered sort of going back into film but as like this sort of um you know, high, high tier designer who could sort of art direct the whole film and make it really your own. Yeah. I mean, yeah, kind of, but oh man, the film industry. So it's so terrible. I mean, I, I, I kind of like, I would like to direct 
a movie really or direct a TV. I mean, I got this, I've talked about it on the podcast. I've got uh, my last book. I'll, I'll send you a copy of it. It's like 400 page massive. It's, it looks, it looks about as thick as your new book. I saw you yeah. talking about it. It's yeah. It's, Let's not compare sizes now, Chad. <laughs> it's pretty thick. It's 400 pages. It's it's massive. Sweet. And um, it's like it kind of mythologizes it, the, the characters and all these paintings. Oh, cool. So it's so like it sort a, of like ties all your work together. In yeah, a yeah. It's like a, it's almost like a style guide for a movie or a D Dungeons and Dragons ma wow. you know, monster. I'll send you a copy um, and you can check it out. But it's like, you know, of course, I'm thinking like. I would love to do like a love death and robots style series. And it's like, I know it's totally unlikely to happen, but that kind of realistic or kind of like your, uh, Eddie table, Eddie table short, like that looks so, it looks like your paintings and that's, yeah, I don't think it's unrealistic. I think it's a matter of like, <clears throat> um, sort of orchestrating it correctly, you know, like, a lot of people will start with a little short film and that'll get people's attention. Right. Like, oh, you know what doing, you know? Yeah. That's so yeah. that's kind of, I'm just thinking the only way to do something good is sort of outside of the studio system. Yeah, you're probably right. Cause it's such a, I mean, I see how like Guillermo was just posting Guillermo del Toro, who I know owns both of our works. Um, he was saying how he's got like one or two more films he wants to do. But he's go he's going to animation exclusively after that because he can't get anything. Yeah, paid. I heard that. You know, it's like he said. His oh, I thought it was just. Uh, I didn't realize it was like a practical thing. That's that's he, crazy. He's all like fed up. He was saying. I think he said the last five projects he was trying to get greenlit, they wouldn't do, and it's like he couldn't get hmm. uh, the Mountains of Madness greenlit. You know, when, really? Yeah, yeah. That was I, I. I did some designs for that, and it, and I read the script. It was totally fucking amazing it was like yeah. the thing john carpenter's the thing times 11 you know it was it was i wonder what epic. it is about what it is about animation features that are easier to get he he said he oh. he said he uh i think in the article he said he felt like there's they're more willing to take chances and let you be creative okay. in it just the attitude i think that he's he felt like there was more uh opportunity to do weird projects in animation. I hope that changes. I hope that shifts. People in, in film seem so conservative now, you know? Yeah, right. Creative. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I've had I've had a lot of experience in the film industry, and um, yeah. and I know how insane it is. So, you know, I think maybe, like, it seems like maybe kickstarting it and, and doing a short or something might be at least a first step. But before that, I want to do my first comic i think to kind really? of yeah because it's like i've always cool. wanted to do a comic and i've got like the raw material with all my artwork and i kind of have a rough idea for a story so i'm just thinking i might just do it like a comic for my next thing and maybe kick yeah i mean that that could be a great um like i this isn't the right way to look at it but that could also be a really great um way of developing a film you know that's that's i, I know it seems like there's a i just watched this alan moore uh master class on comics because i'm like thinking about comics because it, it seems like that's something in my i could do realistically yeah. you know it's mm -hmm. like I, in my power to do and uh aside from the printing it's just my labor um i wouldn't even you know it's just like my book is just self-published and you get it on my yeah. website it's like i don't even have it on amazon i'd probably just 
do it like that, but just to do. But um, it seems like, well, at least he was very like the idea of um, creating a comic as a way to make a movie later. He was yeah. like totally not into yeah, that. Yeah, the hardcore comics people are very against that. And but to I me, understand. it seems like story. You, it's almost like it, you could kind yeah. of like do do it. At, in a storyboardy kind of way, almost. I don't I, know. Like, I understand the reasoning behind it because it's, it seems like it cheapens the comic, which is, mm. should be the primary thing for a comic book artist. Right. But right. I mean, I just, I just can't help but think about everything at once, you know, movies, right. comics, animation, whatever the hell it is, you know, I'm actually getting into, or like right on the brink of getting back into comics myself. Oh, really? Well, what, what's... Yeah. I've been writing for like, like I spent the last 10 years not interested in writing like one iota, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, for some reason, about a month ago, I just came back and I just started like, I'm writing every day and I have this, this whole uh, graphic novel, like 80% written right now. Oh, wow. So, so how do you go about writing a comic? Is it like, uh, I mean, I'm like, it's funny. That's another parallel is that we both grew up not being into superheroes, but liking, okay. you know, I liked like horror comics. Yeah. I loved horror comics. I loved Mad Magazine. And, um, but I tried getting into superhero comics and I just could never get into it. I just never really interested. Yeah. In I it. wanted to like it too, but it yeah. just didn't, <laughs> didn't click. I remember being like almost pretending that I was obsessed <laughs> right. with the I Hulk. Bought, like, I you got the whole comic. I bought a few. It was really... like, I bought some. And I, and I did, I, it's like, I tried and it's like, uh, and it was in the culture too, when we were growing up, yeah. it was like, it was oh, yeah. part of our culture as kids. So it was always around. So, I mean, I bought like some incredible hulks cause they, you know, he was like a big Frankenstein looking guy. It was like my, in my wheelhouse, but I just couldn't get into the, I couldn't get into the costumes. That's what it seemed. Yeah. Not there's just something about it. Didn't cool uh... Like guys, it just didn't click. Just was like not like clicking a, for me. I was a monster. When I guy. saw like heavy metal magazine or yeah. something, like, okay, exactly. Yeah. That's that this, was. This has a lot of potential. Yeah, <laughs> that was my. Those were my comic books. Was heavy metal. That was like huge. I think it was the drawing style that turned me off of um, superhero comics. Come to think of it, I've never made this connection before. But it's like heavy metal and and the children's books that I loved and Crom. And they all had this like gritty kind of yeah. So you look to them and yeah, then yeah it's true superheroes are like made out of chrome or something it's right. not, <laughs> not exciting to me yeah yeah it, yeah it definitely uh uh is a different style i never thought about it either it, it really is a different style like and and you know the the stuff in heavy metal was just like that's the first time i ever wanted to make a comic when I was like 12 years old and i yeah. and i, I find and i discovered heavy metal and i remember i started making one and I never finished it, but it was like, I, I remember it. I, I have it in a sketchbook somewhere. And that's the only time I've ever done any kind of comic. And I'm like, I'm going to get this one day. You got to post that, man. I know. I got to find it. I, it's, 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 it'd be embarrassing. But um, I know it was like two space guys out on a planet. Like this monster comes up out of the ground and they're running away. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, I was drawing comics from probably like 11 or so. But um, like my memories of falling in love with comics are like uncomfortably entangled with this like guy who was sort of grooming me at the time, this older man. Oh my God. Yeah. So like the first comics I ever did were for him. And, uh, the first comic book artist that I ever really loved, like Von Bode and mm -hmm. 
Sergio Aragones. And yeah, yeah, me too. All huge. the heavy metal stuff that was yeah. always that was all from him too. So it's like, oh wow, it's a weird thing for me, you know. That's kind of sucks. It's yeah. I mean, I've come to terms with it all, but it was. Uh, it's a strange way to find your obsession in life, you know. Right. Well, if that was the, if that was the price you had to pay to find those artists, <laughs> you know, as long as, as, long as it didn't do, do too much, uh, too much uh, emotional damage. Uh, uh, but so, anyway, I, fe- I, fe- I, I was when I saw that interview with you, I was kind of like, sort of glad to hear hear that. You were not you were not that into superheroes because I was like, me either. It's like everybody loves the superheroes, and it's like I tried and I really couldn't get into it. But I, I mean, I love the horror DC horror comics. I would find somehow, yeah. I don't know how I got my hands on them, but there was like those weird ones in the seventies too. And and uh, yeah, somehow I never was really exposed to that stuff until as an adult. You know, I saw it in reprints and stuff. Yeah, yeah, but it was so cool, so 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 cool. And um, that must have had a big impact on you. Oh yeah, major major impact. And like I said, and heavy metal was just like, um, you know, I know you're a big Mobius fan too. Mobius stuff yeah. was just just he's tops tops for me. Yeah, incredible. Um, but Even what Miyazaki are probably like my two favorites. Who's that? Hayao Miyazaki, you know the um, my the... neighbor Totoro, and he's a animator filmmaker. Uh oh yeah yeah of course <laughs> the uh uh yeah I, I play that stuff for my granddaughters. I got granddaughters. Yeah. <laughs> it's so brilliant. Yeah, just yeah. yeah, it's amazing. Um, have you ever seen his book of? Uh, uh, I think it's called Naushika. No. It's like a graphic novel. It's but that fat, and wow. it's just fucking gorgeous. Like so beautiful, right wow. up there with the boots. Huh. Okay. Yeah, I've got. I've. I'll send you a picture of it. Yeah. Okay. I, I definitely. Um. I remember. Uh. Adam. Adam. I've never read a lot of Japanese comics until my friend Adam and Tool, the guy that introduced me to Cam. Uh. He gave me a couple. Uh. Really good. Oh, uh, Uzumaki. Is that the one with the spiral? Everything's the spiral. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. So it's like, I have, I have experienced a lot of really, uh, I think good stuff like R. Crom. And, uh, I remember in the, in the nineties, I was into some guy got me into yummy fur. Do you ever, you remember yummy fur? Uh, oh yeah. Chester Brown. Yeah. Chester Brown. It's like, those were so good. <laughs> yeah. His, his first collection, um, Ed the Happy Clown is is one of my right. favorite graphic novels ever. Yeah, it, it was it was like that was kind of my first uh uh real encounter with underground comics except for like Crumb, seeing Crumb when I was like 8 or 9. Right. Really graphic. Completely I remember, twisted you, right? I was like seeing it, I was like oh, it like it felt like ooh, this is weird. I shouldn't be looking at this. <laughs> like I know you have to like grab it and run away and hide somewhere with it <laughs> well it was at that at the age i saw it i was like it just was like it made me feel like uncomfortable kind of it was oh just so like, it was too much yeah at the yeah time. yeah it was okay. like oh i shouldn't i don't think i should be looking at this like it just was because it's like gross his stuff it's it is much, disgusting it's like it's like creepy and weird yeah but it, but it was like drawn so well i remember that it's like man uh it just talk about passion. I mean, there's, there's yeah, I've been driving that guy, but just pure passion. 
incredible. He's so good. I'm it's I'm glad he got, you know, got his due too cuz guys like that can easily go overlooked and a lot of them do, you know. Yeah. No, he's not hurting. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um yeah, that documentary is kind of amazing. The crumb crumbs. <laughs> it's like one of my it's up there with one of my favorite. One of my comics is in that documentary. Oh, really? Really? Yeah, like 30 seconds. Wow. Oh, okay. So Crumb's in in a comic shop, and um, the interview, the interviewer's like sort of gestures to the the rack, and he's like, what do you think of all this stuff, you know, that kids are making these days? And he picks up one of my comics, and he's like, I can't remember what he says, but it's something sort of disparaging. Oh, really? (laughs) (laughs) So that was like, that was always for like a decade, people would ask me what I, how I felt about that, you know? As if I was like traumatized by it. Or Did something. you have you ever met him or anything? No, I never have. Huh. Wow. I try not to meet. Like I've never had the opportunity to meet him, but um, I kind of like to avoid meeting my real huge um, yeah hero because you don't want to be, be disappointed. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've had a couple of disappointments. Uh, I want to. I want to. <laughs> I won't, I won't put you in that. But it's just like, there's one guy that was one of my favorite favorites of all time. And after I got to know him, I can't even look at his work anymore. Like I don't. Wow. Any interest. I don't want to look at it, you know? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm overly sensitive that way. You know, like if a celebrity turns out to do something horrendous, you can't enjoy the art anymore. Don't want to watch it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm kind of able to. It depends. It depends on the offense, <laughs> and and the artwork as well. It's like for it's. A I little... think for me, it's also like a time mm-hmm. thing. You know, like I can forgive people from a hundred years right. ago, no problem. <laughs> but uh, if it's yesterday, yeah. I'm like, geez, that's yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so anyway, where were we? Uh, we you were, we were talking about comics. I don't know. We got off on a tangent, um, <laughs> but <laughs> oh, let's see. Okay, let's get regrounded here. Um, yeah, you're not going to be able to rely on my memory in this interview at all. Oh uh, so, well, just so you know, <laughs> that's another thing we have in common. Then, my memory is shit so bad. I have a, I have a friend who I ask. You know, I've known him since I was 16 or something. Um, if I can't remember something, I ask him and he has this amazing memory. So it's like, I have this extra memory bank in this. Friend of cool. mine. I have the internet, but yeah, <laughs> like what I'm right. Like I've noticed it actually that because I've been writing for a month now. Mm-hmm. Um, that takes so much concentration, you know, like yeah. to really write a long piece and be able to keep track of all the various art, you know, story arcs and little yeah. detail. It's, it's like a real challenge for me. It's yeah, I I uh, I can imagine. I it's it's like it's something I've again. It's something I've always wanted to do and never done it. And I'm like, I don't know. Is this crazy to even try? Um, I think you're going to have a a lot of fun with it. It seems like it would be so. One of the things you have to dive in and you have to focus and forget everything else. Right. And it's like torture for a really long time, and then you like sort of. Oh, you know, it starts to like make sense. Sounds like, sounds like painting. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Any creative thing. It just seems like insurmountable until you've kind of break through the surface. And then it's like, oh, I can't get enough of this. You know, I'm going to, instead of a chore, it's like this really enjoyable pastime. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I am going to try it. We'll see if it's successful or not. But um, I, I definitely am going to try it. I'm just trying to get ev everything. I owe so much stuff for my dystopia, my book Kickstarter. Um, oh, yeah. Still five years coming up on six years. I'm still delivering the things. Wow. I fucked Damn. that. I fucked it up. But I'm still I'm delivering. Uh, and then like I got behind on commission work and it's like I, I took the year off of a, I have a solo show every year at Copper and I took it off to get all this stuff done. Solo show a year. That's a lot, man. Yeah. I used to do two solo shows a year. Holy crap. I was, I think at the fastest, I was probably one every year and a half. I was, I was, I, I was just so like at the point I left FX, I was so desperate to get out and it seemed impossible because the money's pretty good in effects. And so I was, and yeah. it's like, I don't know how to do anything else. So I was just like desperately clawing my way out of that business. Cause I was not, I wasn't happy in that any, in, in there anymore. And so I did, I pushed so hard for just constantly grinding it. It was, I don't even know how I did it to be honest. It was insane. Right but, yeah, I don't um, think people realize how hard it is to step away from a lucrative Right, <laughs> golden handcuffs. Into, like complete uncertainty. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's about the most noble thing you can do, you know, as yeah. an artist. Yeah, and I got to credit my wife, man, because it's like we didn't have savings or anything. It was just wow. like I, I had seven years of building an audience, and I was selling stuff, but not enough to live on. And then I got laid off, and it's like I don't even know if I would have had the the courage to quit on my own. Maybe if I got more successful, but at that point. It was like, okay, I got laid off from a job I thought I was guaranteed. I didn't think I was going to get laid off. It was I was kind of like a permanent member there. I'd been there five years. And I got laid off, and it was like, okay, I can make a go at this, or I can go look for another effects job. And right. I just fucking did it. It was insane. <laughs> so crazy. But your wife was behind you. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, and we just bought a house. <laughs> Holy it was like i can't believe i mean i i guess she believes in me you know it's like she's she she because because it was not a practical decision but yeah well that's kind of like that thing i was talking about earlier where you you're as an artist you have to be sort of diluted for diluted yeah for a right time. right right but the people around you they they kind of see that hope that uh promise in mm -hmm. you you know right right like some of them do anyway. Yeah. So. Yeah. Hopefully it's incredible. Hopefully the ones that matter, see it, you know, kind of lift you up. Yeah, for sure. But that's, you know, that's part of the reason I think I ended up becoming kind of a fast painter is because, um, I, I put myself in a position to, to be in any show that would have me and overcommit yeah. myself. And so I just had to grind and paint and paint and paint and paint. And Smart. it's, and it's, so it was like, you know, since, cause I was 33 when I made the decision to just start painting. So, and I hadn't even really, I just only dabbled up to that. Um, Amazing. so, so it kind of was like, I made, I forced myself to have to paint a ton and, right. you know, uh, yeah. And it all, right. when I started my, um, comic series, weasel, I kind of gave myself the, um, the chore of like making make sure every painting was an oil painting. And that was like my only steady reason to keep painting, you know, you, that comic, every, every panel. Yeah. Yeah. Weasel every, like there were five issues and each, each, each cover was a, a like a big oil painting. Oh, okay. Okay. I thought you made every like, panel and there was no, oil painting. no, no, 
I mean, nightmare. <laughs> yeah, that's a. Uh, uh... But no, I never got fast though. Like I'm, I'm super uh, envious of people like you. Well, it's I... like for me, it's like this constant, um, like little increments. You know, like I do a couple hours today, a couple hours mm -hmm. tomorrow. Gotta be dry in between. And right. I'm just doing glazes, and it's like sometimes it just feels like such a nuisance you know <laughs> when i try to speed things up it never works like if i try to think of a, like a more efficient way of painting right yeah it doesn't have that whatever that quality that i like in my right. painting yeah 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 i did that for my my last show i was like it's like i i i end up doing it out of necessity because you know i think every i you know my six months to paint for a solo show is like a lot of time for me even though it's not a lot of, it's not enough time and it's um, a big space do you fill up that whole like the whole gallery or is it the main the one main room it's like the i, I usually i don't remember I, I usually do like 15 pieces wow you know but they're not huge you do, you do a lot bigger pieces than me but again that's practical it's for practicality's sake it's like i i have to sell and it's easier to sell smaller pieces so i'll do like the last one i did a I think the last one I only did all all eleven by fourteens, but before that I did a bunch of I don't know thirty, uh, twenty four by thirty sixes. I did a couple of those and twenty four by thirty range, but um, the last show I did just I you know I gave myself six months and then all of a sudden it was three months before the show, <laughs> which usually it always happens. Like I always three months before i'm like okay i can't wait any longer i keep putting it up yeah. and i'm trying and it's always because i have to make keep making money you wow. know it's always the case with me and so um i i was like okay i'm gonna do all the all the prep work early like i'm gonna i'm gonna set everything up in photoshop and kind yeah. of photo bash some backgrounds and hand paint paint it all to like I did studies. I do these little, not this, these are like tiny paintings. I'm trying to sell, yeah. sell this week, but like five by seven. Yeah. I've and, seen those. Yeah. Yeah. So I do the, usually do a study there. And so I did studies to get the idea, just kind of like loose playing around. And then I scan those, put them into Photoshop and then I compose them better. Hmm. Um, 11 by 14 kind of photo bash some backgrounds. And I got it totally like finished, which I've never done before. Then when I painted them, each one took like three days, two or three days. It was crazy. Wow. So I was like, it, but it was so very technical. It was like, yeah, it was like paint by numbers almost. Like I projected. Yeah, I've it. never been able. I've never been able to do the color study thing for mm -hmm. some reason. I just can't bring myself to do it. I know it took me forever like, uh, to get in the habit of doing them. But now it's like the improvisation. I know, um, I know. The main piece is like the, the, for some reason it feels like really important to me. I don't even know if it really is That's, important. Well, but. I, I think it can be for sure, depending on the artist. And I, and I, and I feel like that I, that's something I give up for, right. for, for the, the sake of like efficiency in a way. Yeah. And all my, kind of sense. all my creative playtime is when I do the study and when I, yeah. It, you know, I don't, I don't always mock things up in Photoshop. Usually it's a study and then I just paint the big thing. But, um, I, I used to hate doing studies cause I just wanted to paint the thing, but I, I, I kept getting like, um, 
painting myself in a corner, so to speak, and having things not totally right. And then I'd have to like yeah, add yeah. something else to balance it out because right. something was too far over. Yeah, that's <laughs> a terrible feeling, especially it, with a deadline. Yeah. And it just kept, it was like, you know, I did that enough, enough times where I'm like, okay, I'm going to at least figure out like a rough comp. And then I, I realized, and then I realized I could sell them and it was like, you know, oh, there you galleries go. don't want to sell them because they're too cheap. They're too inexpensive to sell through galleries, really. So it's like I'm not stepping on Gary's toes or anything. And uh, I could sell them directly. And, you know, it's enough money to where it's like <clears throat> you're making a good hourly wage if, if you kind, yeah. of, kind of do these small paintings. So it's kind of like. And a then you feel like justified doing it. You can kind of like. Right, right. Them, right. <laughs> Yeah, it's, and I know I can make, you know, I'll be able to pay my mortgage if I do these studies and then I can use That's them. That's cool. So it's like, it makes sense, but but you do give, you lose that, um, I don't know, spontaneity. spontaneity and improvisational. Aspect. I mean, I, I do a similar thing where my studies are, are line drawings. Mm hmm. It's the color part that I don't do the studies for. Okay. And, and that's the part that is like, Sometimes it goes totally wrong, you know? <laughs> like when I'm improvising on the piece and it goes right, I'm like, oh, fuck, yeah, this is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes there's a part of the painting that is taking up like 80% of your time because it's never working. You're right. always like redoing it and then having to sort of like reharmonize the colors around it right. because you changed it so much. And so it can get like, uh, like a black hole, you know? Right. I would love to be able to avoid that, but, um, I don't know. You, it's, I, I, it's working for you. If you don't have to, if you don't have, you know, if why, if it ain't, it's just a huge waste of time sometimes, you know, yeah. that's the thing that, that keeps bothering me. Yeah. I, I remember, uh, I've also, also one, you know, there's so much about your painting that I love, but one thing is that you, um, paint in these, like a lighter, uh, like a, like in lighter values, like I tend to go like too contrasty. I feel like, like I'll hit, you know, really bright white and really dark black, you know, it's like, I have to right. keep myself from going there. And I like that yours are all kind of in these light, I don't know, this val light, lighter value gamut. Interesting. Yeah. And, and, and uh, I just, lo I love it. I love that quality of it. I don't Thanks. know. There's something about it that like, uh, I haven't, I haven't really mastered that kind of, painting like that i always like i don't know it's like again since i don't know what i'm doing in the same way that you don't <laughs> that we didn't go to art school it's like i kind of just keep messing with it until it looks right and, yeah and that ends up i mean like, i admire i admire the drama of guys like you and i try to do that sometimes and then i end up sort of painting it out because it just doesn't fit my personality yeah somehow. yeah 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 so then i end up kind of trying to accomplish that drama with um, like what you're talking about, I guess, is like the light areas that have sort of, um, optical blending happening. Yeah. 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 And, um, so that, that seems to be what turns me on in the moment. Yeah. That, Whenever I do, like if I ever try to do something super dark and like super light, it, it's just, it starts that way and it never can never ends up that way. You know? <laughs> <clears throat> I, I, I like the, the, the other thing I love about your stuff is the, you know, you've got like these soft edges, you know, I don't know. There's like, when I first saw your work, the thing that really, 
there's a lot of things I really liked about it, but um, uh, you know, your, the characters are just like hilarious too. They're so fucking weird. <laughs> They're so <laughs> weird. You know, the women you paint are so, so funny. It's like it makes me laugh. It always <laughs> just cracked me up. I just love right it. On. Uh, but I I I like that you know you you know when I was learning early on too, it was like all about. I don't know all the great painter, all the the really good painters was like you know Sargent and and you know you get that one stroke and you step back and right. it looks right and it's all loose and it was like that was never a way I was it never came natural to me so to see guys like you who were painting like really tight but still had these soft edges but you know yeah. very detailed and it's like uh, it didn't look cartoony it looked realistic still even though it was right. highly detailed and it was kind of like i felt like i had permission from guys like you and cam as well that that i can it's okay to paint to to lean into your natural feeling of how you paint you know what i mean right so yeah i mean i love uh i love the confidence of people like sergeant and like you know i'd love to be able to do that but it's just not like i'm not capable of it you know <laughs> So then I'll look at work that has, like, I, I, I kind of gravitate towards artists that I feel like I can ape a little bit, you know, mm -hmm. like something about them. I'm like, Oh, I could do that. You know? And like, I sort of take that and, and apply it to my characters and, you know, whatever, like individual unique vision that I might have. Yeah. And then you just kind of, you're left with the skills that you're capable of. Right, and then that creates a kind of like a, a mix of mix of uh, techniques and styles. The soft thing is definitely dates back, goes back to like Ryden, right? Who was like my top guy for such a long time. Yeah, me too. <clears throat> that, 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 I, would look, yeah. I would look at those soft, dreamy, like hazy edges, and just be like, "Oh God, how does he do it?" I had no <laughs> clue because I I was such a friggin' uh, troglodyte you know yeah <laughs> and i would try to do it and like, do it again kind of like maybe he does this maybe he does that and like try to soften it and go and i was just like spending so much time trying to get this thing and i wasn't even getting it right but it's like okay good enough like, <laughs> try again next time you know yeah he he's like that too in that way like where it's like he does a lot of precision you know and and detail but it's not like i don't know doesn't feel overpainted in a way you know it's still i don't yeah. know it's like he, he's, it's always like pitch perfect you know? yeah yeah he he was definitely yeah, yeah. one of the maybe i don't know maybe the 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 biggest artist to get to get me to start painting yeah at the he time was he was easily the, the one for me for sure yeah I, I had I didn't to tell you what painting it was. It was like the, the illustrator's directory handbook or whatever, like, you know, the annual thing that the uh -huh. illustrator illustration organization put out. Right. And there's one painting of uh, like a doctor um, inspecting this, this like turnip. On yeah. The, yeah. That's on the operation classic. table. And I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> He's just defined in the next 20 years of my life. Yeah, right. Uh, I had a CD-ROM. Did you have a CD-ROM? Oh, yeah, I had that. Nine? 
right? <laughs> Jake's. <laughs> Wasn't Cam involved in that in some way? I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I, I, don't, I don't remember if he was. Yeah, I, that thing was crazy. I didn't even play it. I would just sort of like go in and look at It was room. so cool. It was so cool. Especially, you know, an artist with such a unique voice gets his own cd-rom yeah. too that was amazing so it's well he's he's kind of the master of getting really cool gigs like that you right. know there's the barbie thing recently the what thing Did you see that? barbie oh he yeah like... i went to that i went to that opening okay. yeah yeah and then there's in the, pink there was the opera that he did all the designs for it's like do you see that it was like mm. whipped cream or something yeah 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 it's amazing that's like you know, that's the career I want. <laughs> you know, I want to get being so huge that like the craziest people come to you and ask you to do insane things. Yeah. It's like, nobody asked me to do shit. <laughs> <laughs> that's not true. But, but you know, I don't, I'm not getting uh, opportunities like that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That, that was, I had, um, that's actually when I came to my wife and I showed her the Mark Ryden book. The, yeah. Uh, Anima Mundi, maybe is that is what it was called? Yeah, yeah. The black one, and I was showing her, and I was like, "I want to, I want to be a painter," you know. And I was showing her. She's like, looked at her stuff. She's like, "You could do this kind of thing." <laughs> That's what she she gave me the go ahead. Um, but yeah, he was he was huge, and he's and I and I did. You've I'm sure you've met him. Have you met him? Uh, yeah, briefly. Yeah, yeah, same here. Uh, he's he's nice. He's a really cool guy. Oh yeah, when I met him. Super, very very humble. Yeah, known for being yeah. a nice guy. So there's one hero that wasn't a jerk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I got to see his uh, uh, creatrix. Have you seen that in person? The creatrix was oh. just huge. Oh yeah. Okay, the sculpture. Nah, nope. it's like a woman. It's like a girl, and she's got a dress, and it's got like all these layers and like a right like um like a curie like a yeah I th and, and it was like yeah and there's all these like amoebas and weird little mm -hmm. it, it was just so cool to see that thing in person uh i've seen a lot of his stuff in person though it's really amazing but did you i remember the the first san diego that i went to and what like i don't even know what year it was but it was the first time i met anybody and i seemed I seem to meet everybody on that weekend at like at Comic Con. Yeah, all my uh, current friends in comics and 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 painting and all that. So one night I go out with out to dinner with Mark Ryden and Coop. Oh really? I'm, <laughs> I'm basically just like shitting my pants, you know. Like I I don't even feel like I'm like you know I'm just nervous, you know. But um, I remember Mark had. Done, he'd done the con and he was he was flipping through this book of like antique um like undersea creatures and stuff like that mm -hmm. just like marveling at the beautiful beautiful illustrations and stuff so in my imagination i'm thinking like i was there when he got to you know discover all that stuff. <laughs> i'm sure he already knew all about it but <laughs> it's like this i got to witness history you know yeah that's amazing so uh, you you uh Getting back to uh, your your animation career, so I think what I forget how long it, it kind of you were totally focused on these animations, animation. Yeah, so shows. it was like four years of of development, and then they finally picked it up. They picked it up like 
about a week after I had said to my partner, I'm fucking done. Like if they don't pick it up soon, I'm out of here. This is ridiculous. You know, mm-hmm. four years. Ago. Yeah. Sure enough, they, they call my agent and say they're picking it up. Um, and then once it was picked up, I think we were in production for like three or four years as well. We did okay. two seasons. Wow. Yeah. Cause it's like, a uh, I, you know, I know you as a painter. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, and I, and I, and I have a feeling that like I probably different fans of yours know you from your different era. Like some people yeah, are yeah. like, just know you for your comics. Some people just totally. know you for the cartoons or the, it's the funny. You know, I love that. Show. Like, I'll get Instagram people like, Oh, you're the guy that did pick open in a cricket. You're you paint too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it happens all the time. I'm just like, that's so cool. So I'm just, I, I've always wondered, you know, everyone are a lot of, I think a lot of us, as artists have this dream that they're, that they're able to like do something in animation or get a movie made or something. Yeah. It's like, wow, what the hell is that like? I mean, uh-huh. what, what's the, I have, it's like, it's, as much as I've been, I've been in production meetings, I've been through all the yeah. process of, of uh, filmmaking just as an effects guy. I just can't even imagine like, what the process is once they say go is it like it's yeah it was it was weird for me because i didn't have any experience in animation uh-huh basically i they just sort of like plucked me up and dropped me into this <laughs> this like chugging machine you know and so the people around me were sort of it was their job to like tell me what i'm supposed to do and what everyone else does uh-huh and, so you, did you kind of like take a passive role in that way? Like tell me what I need to be doing. And then, uh, in the beginning for sure, you know, like just trying to like understand what the, what the foundation of all this is, you know, mm-hmm. but, um, I felt definitely felt super confident as, as the visual voice of the show, you know? So mm-hmm. like anytime someone would ask me some kind of question about how something's supposed to look or how does this move? It's just like, I knew exactly. Right. Because, right. I'm just drawing on my own visual language that I've developed over decades. Right. right. But, um, yeah, that, that period was basically like the, some of the happiest times of my life and some of the most miserable. Like it, was, <laughs> <laughs> it was like a roller coaster, you know, what, what's, what's an example of some, some misery. <laughs> oh, I'm not even going to get into it. Like <laughs> it can be pretty fucked up. Yeah, I, I understand but that. The, but the happy stuff is is incredible. Like, I'll never forget the first time we screened like the pilot episode of the show for the crew, and and just like oh, like almost on the verge of tears that it. Like, yeah, I can't. Yeah, I, hoped, I, you know? I can't even imagine. Uh, and like casting, like you know, you have you draw these characters, and then there's a guy whose job is to like bring in any and however many actors we want to try you know and there's a professional booth and you like there was one character i think we tried like god i want to say like 50 or 60 actresses wow before we found one and they were just like they didn't lose their patience or anything they're just like okay we'll try someone new and, like it just felt like there were unlimited resources you know amazing and yeah. so were you there for the whole process like did you have a say in all of this stuff? Like who play, who voices these characters and yeah, that's, so you're like, um, like a showrunner. I was traveling back and forth. Right. So like, uh, what, something that kind of compounded the difficulty of the whole thing was that, um, when they 
picked up the show, I, I said like, you know, I, I'm going through this separation, like a difficult separation with my ex and I don't want to have to move away from my kids right now, you know? Right. And they were, they were very supportive of that. And, um, let me like fly in and like I was before Skype was, was as common as it is now. I was doing like five meetings a day on Skype and then I would fly in to like connect, you know, directly with people every month or so. Um, but, uh, I forget where I was going with that. Uh, <laughs> it's like You're the wrong person has <laughs> call your friend <laughs> I, you know, it's a running joke that i do i do i do that myself at least once every episode i just forget what i was what, where i was coming from i think we were talking about just the the difficulties of uh yeah of just ha- and, and running the show like there was you asked if i'm the showrunner i was not the showrunner there was we had like a a third third guy there was there's the co-creator was johnny ryan mm-hmm. and then i was a co-creator and then we had our um partner david Sachs, who was the technically the showrunner and so he was he was there all the time and johnny was there all the time so the show showrunner probably had the worst job and then you probably had the best job because you were like because you're able to go like this is what it needs to look like and sound like and right this is how things move and then the showrunner needs to make sure all that stuff happens i imagine right yeah and johnny was in charge of the um the narrative of the show you know scripts and things like that mm-hmm. so you know we got it made um <laughs> but by the time it was done i was like okay that's enough really? animation for me for a while yeah. <laughs> you know, went back to painting and i was i was happy not thinking about animation at all wow yeah i can imagine and uh like when the pandemic hit I uh, started doing like visual development for features. Oh yeah, he said that in that uh, that interview. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, I was surprised at how much I enjoyed it. You know, like it was it was um, really exciting, creative time for me for like two years. Oh uh, wow! In the first part of the pandemic, I worked on two different productions. Oh, what what were they? Uh, Did they get made? Did they end up? Uh, one was a thing for Sony that I, I can't say the name of. And then the second one was uh, Trolls 3. Oh, no way. Yeah. <laughs> Funny. <laughs> so it seems like a, a strange fit. But in fact, um, I was a big fan of the first Trolls movie. I saw it with my daughter when she was like eight or nine. Mm-hmm. And like literally, I remember posting about it being like, holy shit, this is so well done. And so and, did you get called to do that or they just... I didn't, but when, when they called me on the third one, that's, I mean, the third one. Okay. Yeah. So I had a meeting with them and, um, the director was a, was an old friend of mine and they revealed to me that they had been looking at my work when they were designing the first one. Are you serious? Oh, okay. So that's why I like this one. (laughs) Cause the, the, the worlds felt very like familiar to me. Like they're Hmm. nice being substantial. Really cool. It's funny, yeah. It's funny they admitted it too. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. Like, I was very flattered. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, common in in effects too. It's like we've got books of all these different artists we're yeah. always referring to, and um, you know, you're trying if you if you're ethical, you're trying not to rip an artist off while chill, still right. you know, and and too often they they just will rip an artist off. Yeah, you know. 
but yeah, you can usually kind of spot that. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's the but no, that, that experience with trolls three was, was really exciting. And, um, it kind of like sparked my interest in animation again, you know? So like I've been, uh, since that time I've been working on other pitches for, for new oh, shows. Wow. Yeah. So you have an agent? I do. Okay. And, and he was, uh, he was the producer, like my very first job in animation was, was doing, um, concept art for the pitch for, um, Futurama. Mm -hmm. And he was the, he was a producer on that show. And then after a couple of years, I think he decided to switch from producing to, to representing people. And uh, I think he was one of the first people, or I was one of the first people that he called. Oh, so he asked We've you been together ever since you, you, you are, you are a lucky guy. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of these things do sound very, uh, uh, fortuitous, fortuitous and, and, uh, yeah, yeah. Cause, uh, cause I mean, it's, and, and you're, you know, you know, you're amazing. So it's like, it's obvious that <laughs> you would get opportunities like this because you're so good, but still it's like, you had someone hit you up to pitch you for a, for a TV show. You had someone hit you up to have an agent, you know, that's, right. <laughs> uh, that's, pr that's pretty, that's pretty. I cool. feel like it's all built on like the work I did in comics, you know, uh, like that was kind of like a strong foundation. Right. And it was that I did like, so it was so personal to me and I did made like no compromises at all. Oh, wow. And then that's sort of like somehow that, um, branched out into other things yeah know? no i mean you, you absolutely deserve it um but uh but there's a lot of artists that are really good that deserve probably would deserve it too that don't get calls you know you know what i'm saying totally, it's like yeah. I, I interview so many amazing artists on this show and a lot of them are like you know living hand to mouth and they just yeah. haven't had that luck you know because there is a certain amount of luck you know I, I, remember... I mean there's times that i feel like um a lot of guilt for it you know really? like during uh during the pandemic mm. when i had these two really lucrative jobs and i was just like basically holed up in my house not with a worry in the world you know <laughs> yeah i would like i would kind of look around and just be like oh fuck. like i i would feel queasy that i don't deserve this you wow. know that kind of i i I, I was in the same situation during the pandemic, but it was with these tool posters. Like I just happened, it was so funny the way it worked out. I saw Adam, my friend Adam at the LA art fair and um, we said hi and we were talking and then he walked, all right, talk to you later. And then he walked away and he turned around. He's like, do you want to do a poster for our, for our tour? And I was like, yeah, of course. And he's like, well, I don't know, because, you know, he's sort of like, you know, you've almost like I didn't want to ask you because you're a big shot now or something. But I'm like, are you kidding? It's like I did. I got into fine art so I can do the cool projects that I wanted to do like that, you know, and and it's like, yeah, it would be cool. I'd love to do a tool poster. So I did um, two. I ended up doing three, I think. But it it it, it was like right before the pandemic, they had these shows, and um, and the, and the the post they part part of the way they pay you is in posters, and so oh. and and the posters I had done were popular with on the secondary market, 
people were like, and there was this whole secondary market, I guess, because maybe people were cooped up and they. And did you have copies that were signed by the band? Yeah, and they were all signed. They're all band signed. So it's like I could sign them, do a doodle for a little extra money. And I was, so I was just like all year I was set the whole year. And, um, and it was like, you know, I just loved, I loved it. I, I was like, this is the best year of my life. Cause it was like, I didn't have to go anywhere. I didn't have any obligations other than these posters. And I'm such a song. But you had misgivings about it? No, I didn't feel guilty about it. I felt, okay. it's like, I felt bad about, um, it's like, I feel like I can't, I couldn't, I don't know. I feel, I feel guilty that I, I guess I feel kind of guilty that I had such an amazing time during the pandemic. Like it seriously was yeah. one of the best years of my life because I just felt like, yeah, me too. Oh, I can finally take a, take a break. Cause I just been, but it was so hard because like all, so many of my colleagues were struggling Yeah, and, and people were like, dying. I, I was and, careful not to post about how happy I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I, I get what you mean. And, and, and I, it's like, I know, uh people who died not well but it's like i know one of my fans i met at a show died um Mm. getting it and and uh so it's like it was terrible and it was scary at the beginning i remember like oh yeah you know we're microwaving our fast food remember that video where the guy was showing you how to prepare like if you or i don't know there was a viral video of some guy here's how you prepare your food if you get it from a fast food restaurant yeah to kill Uh kill whatever and you take it out, you wear gloves, and you put each thing in the microwave. Yeah, we were washing our, <laughs> our groceries and everything. Yeah, yeah. And we were, everything I think we were, we were among the most serious people that we knew, uh, you know, as far as, like, masks and, right. you know, being careful and stuff like oh, that. Oh, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. We, we were we were also, my wife was really kind of good about that. Uh, but it was, so it was really scary. But once it kind of settled in, I was like, oh, I finally get a break. I finally don't yeah. have to, you know, it's like all these projects that I owed, I, you know, it's like, no one's going to hassle me because it's a pandemic and, you know, I owed all this stuff and I just finally was able to take kind of a rest. So I, it was, it was, and it was in the beginning, it was kind of cool. Cause I remember I went, we went for a walk. There was no traffic. Went on the freeway, <laughs> no traffic in LA. No, none. It was so weird. Wow. But I remember one of the first days we went walking around the neighborhood like we always do but we just took a walk and there was like everybody was home there was a woman in her front yard reading a book she's all like hi like everyone was like happy to not have to be at work and it was like really uh uh uh, uh picturesque and everyone was happy but that was before things kind of yeah got, it was a weird time people went stir crazy and and it's like yeah. I started drinking more than usual. Oh, really? Sweeping. Like we would be out there swimming and laughing and let's have another drink. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the, one thing that uh, uh, Alan Moore said in that in that master classes. He was like, and I had this realization too that during the pandemic, he was like, after the first couple months, he was like. Uh, this is my life already. This is how it always is. It's like I hardly ever right. see my friends. You talk to them once in totally. a while on the phone. It's like you text people, and it's like yeah, we were we were well prepared. Yeah, for it. Like when people started having to do these kinds of calls all the time, mm-hmm. like been there. Like yeah. I'm, I'm already an expert on this. You know? <laughs> exactly. This yeah, we're having to spend all the time, you know, all our time in our house. I'm like. Exactly. That's my life for the last 30 years. <laughs> yeah, artists are like, uh, were 
specially prepared for it. It was like, this is, yeah. this is normal for us. And then other people were like, how can you stand it? I got to get out. I got to go to a show. I got to do this. And I'm like, I don't, I feel. Yeah. One of the biggest <laughs> things for me, as far as going out was that we used to eat out way too much. Mm -hmm. so we had to learn to like, you know, we didn't eat out at all for the whole yeah. time. So we were just like improving our cooking skills and we got, really good you know like like, <laughs> like a good pizza now mario makes really good pho it's like yeah i see i see on a positive thing on your instagram you post a lot of food pics yeah. <laughs> more than art probably <laughs> <laughs> so okay after so after the the animation you were like you got back into painting so it's like you took a break from pa painting and you started painting again um did you start having shows, a uh, solo shows again, or was it like group shows or commission? It was all uh, private buyers. Oh, okay. Oh, I, I, I uh, arranged to have a show in Paris like five years ago and it still hasn't happened. Oh, because, really? Is this yeah, because, for the, first of all, because the giant like, painting you did? Is yeah. this for that? Oh no, that was, that was Spain. Oh, okay. Okay. I did, I did this really nice big commission right when we bought the house. So that was helping a oh. lot with like, concerns and worries about that cool but finances but yeah that was like a big 13 foot wide yeah oil paint. insane it's so insane and thanks <laughs> but no i uh we were murray and i were in france um for a festival that in uh uh excellent provence excellent provence and uh there's this gallerist in paris that has been that had been buying my work for years and he asked us to come visit him and he offered me this show in paris and i was like yeah right on you know like i'll do that in the next year and a half we'll, we'll do that you know soon and then the, when the pandemic hit, it was just you know i kept painting and i it just get kept getting delayed and then when the pandemic ended it's still being delayed for like one reason or another right. now it's like the unrest in paris and so i've got all this work that's completed and I'm super proud of, but it's hasn't been seen. Yet. Oh, really? You have fin a bunch yeah. of finished pieces that yeah, haven't been seen. Yeah. How many pieces? Uh, there are 45, <laughs> but they're not all like big oil paintings. Some of them are, are drawings. And Holy things like shit. That. Wow. Yeah. So, so eager, eager to get that. Yeah. Done. When's it going to happen? <laughs> uh, there, I mean, they were talking about the fall, but I feel like that still may not happen. So we're just going to have to, cross our fingers and see wow yeah wow but wow. after um you know i did like the lion's share of all that work for paris and that's that's when i took a couple of years to do the um the work in film like viz dev and oh, okay and then that sort of like wrapped up about a year ago and that's since then i've been painting for private fires and, and working on these other uh, like writing projects i have a, a series that i want to do like a kind of adult series and i also have a preschool series i want to do wow <laughs> i've always wanted to do a preschool series <laughs> and uh and then these two comics so it's or two graphic novels i should say damn yeah you're busy so uh i mean you're working all the time i imagine you seem like uh yeah yeah sure but this is, this is how I am too. It's like, you know, it's, I could say I'm a workaholic, but it's like, I don't, I wouldn't be a workaholic at a job I wasn't into. It's like, 
I I like I like to work, but it's like you know I like it when it's stuff I want to do, and then if it's something I want to do, I'm like all in. You know. I think yeah, I think calling it a workaholic is like the holic part says there's a problem. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But uh, in fact, if you're working all the time and you're so happy, and the people around you are, you know, supporting you and seeing how happy you are then maybe it's not a problem. Right. <laughs> True. Like yeah. I like, I've, I've gotten to the point in my life where I enjoy taking time off, which is a right. big step for me. In the, in the old days, it's like, if I had to go take three days off, I'd just be like, I wouldn't know what to do with myself. Yeah. Yeah. Work. So now I can, I can just like forget about all that and just enjoy myself. So that's good. Yeah. You get to a certain age and it's like, I, I've just, you know, when, when COVID hit, I, I, I stopped doing, um, conventions because i used to always do monster palooza every year oh yeah and uh some tattoo conventions and all the convention stuff stopped and i just realized it's like i'm too old for this shit it's like it's too too much hard work carrying all this stuff in it's like yeah that is a lot of work you I've, know i've never really done it on the level that you guys do it but it's it's fun it's great to meet the fans and all that but man it's like you know and like a lot of them are 12 hours or 10 hours and you have to be on all the time aside you aside yeah. from carrying and loading all the shit it's like you have to it takes a lot of energy to really be like <clears throat> to make a good impression yeah and just you yeah know, it's exhausting <laughs> you, want, <laughs> you want people that are taking the time to come and see your work you want them to feel like you appreciate them because you do, but it's totally, all, but yeah. it's like, it's a lot of effort, especially for an introvert like me, you know? Yeah. I've, I've done those festivals or conventions and even without the, the loading in and loading out that you're talking about, right. I find it's still exhausting. Freaking, yeah. Like I just get back to the room. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So imagine, imagine, constantly. imagine the load in and the load out on top of that. That's so it's like, yeah, so, crazy. so it's like, I just, I want to do them, but I, um, I just, I can't see doing it now. I don't know. Maybe I'll do it, but man, um, do you get a, um, like an assistant or something? Yeah. I mean, my wife helps me and I have, I have someone that helps me do my shipping and stuff. She comes like, uh, my wife's best friend. She helps me, uh, pour my resin casts and do shipping and stuff. So I have help, but still like, you know, we're all old. <laughs> it's like, I can get my kid to, you know, my kid's like a, oh, that's another thing. Uh, he's a drummer. He's right? a drummer. Yeah. He's drumming. Yeah. He, he's touring drummer for the English beat, which is crazy. Very cool. Wow. So, so proud. Yeah. Yeah. He's, that's amazing. Um, yeah. So weird. It's like, this is my high school music. He's in this yeah. band touring with them. Um, yeah. So I was, you're a drummer. So, uh, uh, I wanted to ask you a little bit about that. Like, what are the bands that, what are the drummers you like? <clears throat> oh, wow. Cause I'm a huge music <laughs> fan myself. You know, I play guitar. Yeah, I, I had mean, bands Bonham, and stuff. Bonham's oh yeah. Um, uh, Elvin Jones, maybe. Uh -huh. I like Steve Jordan a lot. Steve, is he like a jazz guy? Steve Jordan. Steve Jordan. He's playing with the stones now. Oh, okay. He's, he was a session player. He used to play on Saturday Night Live a long time. Uh, okay. Yeah, the session players are the some, yeah. of the some of the best musicians. The ones you never really yeah, hear about. Steve Jones is uh, Steve Jordan is interesting because he was a very technical drummer in the beginning, and he sort of like reduced it down and reduced it down, and now his playing is so like elemental. 
Mm-hmm. But there's something about his beat that, like, when he plays, you you recognize it immediately. He's right. just got this incredible groove. But um, what yeah, I mean, I I I list, I basically follow a lot of Instagram drummers, and I sort of get ideas and inspiration from like these in, these um, instructors. You know, people mm-hmm. who are sort of teaching people how to how to approach, approach drumming. How long have you been playing drums? <clears throat> Uh, I, I started when I was like 16, I think. I always like, wanted you know, to learn. That's the funniest thing. Yeah. I always wanted to, I was, ne- I, I play guitar, but I was never interested in playing guitar. I was always interested in playing drums, but I learned, I taught myself guitar cause I wanted to write music, Oh. but I was never like a fan of guitar players. Like I am like drummers. I was always like a drumming guy. Yeah. I've always like, there was a, my two best friends lived near me and they, played music that one was a drummer one was a guitarist Hague and rob mm. and uh i guess they'd been playing for a while when i met them so the first time i went over they were like playing i think they were playing um quiet riot <laughs> come on feel the noise and i was just sitting there like holy shit they're actually playing <laughs> it actually sounds like the song i was just like <laughs> and rob's like well why don't you you know try it out. And so I, I learned, you know, a basic beat in like 10 minutes. And I was like, wow. And then my parents let me buy a drum. Oh, cool. Actually, I, I bought a drum set with my own money. Yeah. I can't remember how it went, but <laughs> anyway, I played pretty seriously for like three or four years. Mm-hmm. And then I got to the point where I felt like I had to make a, dis- I had to make a choice between visual art and music because neither was getting the service that it deserved, you know? Right. So I gave up drums for like probably 20 years. Wow. Yeah. And then, uh, at some point I got to the point where I just felt like, well, I, you know, I think I have enough. I think I feel like secure enough in my art that I can have a hobby. You know? Right. So yeah. I started playing drums as a hobby. And, um, and I started looking at like YouTube, um, teachers and pretty soon I, I surpassed where I, where I was when I gave it up and I was like, holy shit, you know, this, this is exciting. Mm-hmm. And I, my skills just kind of like multiplied kind of quickly to the point where I was able to pull off stuff that I never really even thought I'd be able to do, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, then it just became like a daily meditation for me, you know, to like play for 20 to 40 minutes a day. Uh, just must be so, like, yeah, it must be so oh, great. Must be so Yeah. Fun. I mean, it's just like, nothing else is happening in my mind except for that one Mm -hmm. thing so um my skills you know continue to to improve but the the main thing for me is just like i don't even want to play in a band or play with people it's just like this kind of solitary pursuit for me you know that's cool The, the other thing that happened in the pandemic for me was that i started um creating like musical pieces in garage band yeah using like recordings of like just noises around the house and I'd start making noises in, in a trumpet, you know, with a trumpet and mm-hmm. recording that. And that became like an important thing for me to be able to create music in the way that I create art, mm-hmm. which is like not a, not a really disciplined thing for me. Like drumming is, it's more like just goofing around yeah, and playing, like discovering things. Mm-hmm. So that was uh, another really great thing that happened to me during the pandemic. Yeah, I, I 
I also got reinterested in music because uh, I was like trying to. I had a band for like ten years, kind of like before. No, right around the time I got in the film industry, I had a band too, and it's like I was oh, wow. trying to make it I had like a punk band, and then we kind of changed and ten years in different bands like it was trying to make it happen and um and there was a point where i was like the band broke up i'm like okay i'm not going to reform it again i I just can't do it and it was really a huge bummer to me Uh, but then i got into digital stuff that was kind of like the i started getting into 3d animation and um but uh i picked it back up uh, I started playing bass, which I, I always like oh, bass yeah. players better than guitar players too. I was never like a guitar player guy, <laughs> but I was a guitar player because it was, you know, it's what I, uh, I don't know. I just did it. And, um, you thought that was the tool of the songwriter. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I, yeah, pretty much. I loved music and I wanted to write songs. So I was like, okay, I got to learn to play the guitar. My brother is a guitar player. So he showed me like a few chords and I just kind of went off and, yeah um got to where i could write music and stuff but uh yeah i started playing bass and then recording on garage band and it was like on my ipad i got an ipad and it was like oh my god this is so cool because i used to record songs on a four track cassette yeah you know so it was amazing and then i ended up getting uh, i got a mac eventually i finally got my first mac that I was never able to afford because i always did pcs because they were cheaper and i could like build them myself and stuff and um i got logic pre-installed so it's like you know really great uh music recording program yeah and so i was able to like record songs that i had from like i don't know the 90s (laughs) that i never got to really finish it was so and i got to play it and the drumming the drums are really good the like yeah program drum stuff it's like if you know it's like they sound really good so just for the fun and it was just like a hobby and it's like man i haven't had a hobby since i was like a kid that's what i keep saying it's like (laughs) so so, it's so like um grounding somehow like yeah. to have a hobby something you care about deeply but something you don't have to make money at, money at yeah there's no pressure <laughs> whatsoever you know right so what yeah, i love just sitting there like coming up with like i'll just have like one track is is a good example because i literally spent 20 minutes with a stapler uh-huh. i put up the I set the mic up and i just took the stapler and i just started like twisting it and there's a little like metal spring and I pull that and (laughs) back and forth. And then there was a a cardboard box that I just like crunched. And so after 20 minutes, I take that recording and I put it in and I just start chopping it up and like, that's so cool. Finding any little thing that sounds any, like has any kind of musical musicality to it. Yeah. And then just doing like this kind of collage and that's so cool. I find it's so like exciting. Yeah. It's so fun. It's like, it's, it is, it's like building a painting or, or, yeah. you know, uh, so much like sketching, like, cause when I sit down and sketch, I never have an, an objective. I just want to like see what happens. Yeah. Know? Same here. <clears throat> so same kind of deal. Yeah. So what bands, uh, do you like, or what, what bands were you into and growing up? You know, I liked uh, in the old days. I used to like Zeppelin and um, yeah. Iron Maiden. Mm-hmm. It was my biggest thing. Yeah, um, they're great. Just Priest, all that kind of so stuff. So you're a metal guy. Was yeah. Okay. I kind of made this, some some kind of weird switch in my 
thirties, mid thirties, maybe I started listening to like, I think nine inch nails was kind of like a crossover thing for me. Mm -hmm. And then I started getting into, um, more sort of like atmospheric soundtracks and things like that when I'm painting. Basically when I paint is, is, is the only time that I listen to music. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and jazz, like I've always loved, um, jazz. I grew up on jazz and that sort of came back to me in a big way. Hmm. Yeah. That's something I, I, I got, uh, more into jazz as an adult and it's like you gotta kind of yeah. be you gotta be older to appreciate it for some reason i don't know what it is it's like it was like a switch went off with me like because really? i was always interested in different music and jazz i was like i don't really understand it i don't i don't get it i don't have a feeling for it and then like i mean i'm not a big like i can't name a bunch of jazz i'm artists other than the the ones that most people know but um yeah. uh there was just a certain point it was like oh i get it I, right. I get it. It creates a feeling. It creates a feeling like no other music I can think of. It just feels different. And I like, I, I like the feeling now that I'm a certain I, age. <laughs> I think at some point I, I got sort of, um, I don't want to say bored, but there's something about the, the construct of a traditional song that right. I just lost interest in. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I like listening to music where it's just kind of like, I, um, you know, it's surprising and there's, there's, there's not like an, again, there's not an objective to it. It's just like this thing that you're sort of right. floating. But I grew up, um, like my, my dad listened to jazz all the time. Oh, so okay. I was completely immersed in it and didn't think I liked it, you know? Right. <laughs> and then like, fast forward to like 20 years later and it's, it just all, you know, it comes, becomes a hunger like, Oh yeah, I love this shit. Right. So he sort of planted the seed. I think. Have you heard one of my favorite drummers is Canadian from a punk band, I think from Vancouver, British Columbia. It's yeah. the West coast of Canada. No means no. If you ever heard no means no. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know them? I don't, I don't know. I don't remember his name, but, uh, but yeah, he's, he's a uh, well-known. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cause it's like, nobody knows no means no in America, man. It's like, Oh really? Yeah. They're so uh, every, cool. I, yeah. It's like, I, did it's, not know that. It's, I think they're big in Canada and they're big in Europe, but they, okay. it's like, if you f find a no means no fan in America, it's like, Oh, you're, there's another one of us, <laughs> <laughs> but he's such a great drummer, man. He's like, yeah. It's like very a, imaginative, right? Yeah. Really aggressive uh and it's almost like prog music but it's punk it's that's what i right. like about it it's like a prog punk thing and he's super jazz influenced uh john wright right his name is interesting yeah he's amazing you so, know what he's doing these days i think he's uh you, do you did you ever see um he's kind of like accessible on facebook if you uh he might have a bar but they broke oh, okay. up the band broke up but he did um write music for compressor head which is that those robots that that guy made robots that play instruments oh yeah he's, you've seen that where they got like the drummer like, yeah. four arms so he's involved in that yeah he writes the music for them wow, it's like a, the the guy who made him is like a robot maker he's not a musician <laughs> so huh. so he wrote all the music for their album that's cool yeah yeah that's cool anyway yeah he's a uh, he's a great drummer great drummer uh, great band but uh okay so uh, one other thing i wanted to ask you i know i'm taking up a lot of your time here uh i'm having fun oh good <laughs> mm -hmm. i am too um uh I, what's 
what's your day look like? You know, how did, what's your schedule like? Um, Lately has been weird because I've been so focused on writing. Mm -hmm. I actually changed everything during this period. I, to the point where I would get up early with Maria because she's a teacher. Mm -hmm. I would have breakfast without watching TV, do my stretches very quickly, and then just get straight downstairs by like eight, eight o'clock, eight thirty in the morning. Mm -hmm. And then I would write and I'd have so much fun writing. The time would fly at noon. I would go for a bike ride. I try to have a bike ride on my fat bike in the, in the woods mm -hmm. um, every day for about 40 minutes. And then when I get back, I would work on commissions. So, you know, from like one till five or six, but, uh, that's a pretty disciplined day right. for me. Normally it's a little like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> one of my biggest problems is like, there's so much going on, you know, like yeah. I can work on this for a little while and then everything else falls apart. So the next day I got to figure out like how to choose which thing to work on then. Right. And, like all over the place and know? they and they and and they all seem to require using different parts of your brain too that's one yeah. thing i notice as well it's like i gotta you know because i spend the mornings dealing with my business my online business um yeah there's that too that's a big one yeah and and it's like you know re remembering you know print numbers i gotta number these prints and print out these certificates yeah. and blah blah oversee all that and then uh, the second half of the day, I'm painting usually uh, if I can, if I can. Um, but it's like they're just completely different parts of my brain. It's it's hard to like just instantly go out of one mindset and oh, totally. into the other. Yeah. You know, it's like from like <laughs> writing to painting. Yeah, to that's the other thing. Drawing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuff like you're talking about. Yeah. The worst um, is when you don't get, like, you go through several days or even a week without doing anything creative. I know. It's it drives so you insane. Fucking clerical stuff to do, you know? <laughs> it, it makes, it's like, it puts me in such a bad mood. And, and, and it once, just feels like you're drowning, you know? Yeah. And once, once I could sit down and start painting, it's funny because this always happens to me over and over. I'll, uh, I get bogged down with all this clerical shit. And then, um, I finally, like, either force myself to paint or just, just for fun even just like okay i yeah. just need a you know an hour before bed or something i'm gonna paint mm -hmm. and then i'm like oh that's why i was feeling like shit the last few days is because i haven't painted and it's like immediate it's like a drug it's like immediate relief you know uh, you're, you're like you're saying exactly my 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 experience it's crazy <laughs> because uh it's weird <laughs> it's like it's like therapy yeah us, yeah know? yeah like wait if you don't do it it's like the all that creativity just goes inside and starts rotting right know? and then when the you're minute you do something creative it's just like Woo, yeah <laughs> and then the other the, the other thing that i notice is when i'm painting and it's not working and it's so puts it like puts me in such a bad mood if i can't get something like say before i yeah. have to go to sleep it's like i'm struggling yeah. with the painting it's like I feel like a failure oh like you just you leave and it's back. just like oh you're just in a shitty mood but if you if yeah. you if you have a great session, it's like you're it completely changes your mood. It's like, ah, you feel good. And, it, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's funny how, how, how much it affects us, you know? Yeah. It's, um, it's, a it's trip. really frustrating sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I like to be able to be like stable, you know? Yeah. Just, yeah. Not in the current. Yeah. No, I don't think so. Uh, okay. I wanted to ask a little bit about 
technique stuff, and then I'll, and then I'll let you go. I, I I apologize for going for so long, but no worries. What uh, uh medium are you using? Mediums. I just switched. Actually, I was using um, Stevenson's Alkid. It's oh, okay. a Canadian company, so you may not be familiar. Yeah, with yeah, it. I've never heard of it. They went out of business recently, so I I had to switch to. Um, let me check. I forget the name of it. Oh yeah, this company um, M Graham. Oh, okay. I oh. love their paints. I've only tried like two or three of their paints, but they were so luscious. Well, so uh, I gave this a shot, and I've I really liked it so far. You haven't really? tried. So it's like, uh, is it like Alkid medium? Is it like uh, Galkid? Like uh, yeah. Okay. So it's this one's based on uh, like it has a walnut oil in it mm -hmm. or something. Does it dry overnight? Um, I would say so. Yeah, if it's not too thick. Yeah, I've, I've been putting it on. I've basically been like rubbing it on and then wiping most of it off so that it's almost not even there. Uh huh. But it helps. Uh, helps to create kind of a glassy, nice. Yeah. Luster. Yeah. Interesting. I'll have to try that. I'm, I've been um, liquid all the way. Yeah. I've, I've I've just got. It works so well for for me that I just never. I've really, heard great things about liquid. I've you, never tried it. Oh, you never tried it? Wow. It's uh, yeah, it's great. I don't know if um, <clears throat> it and it dries overnight. It's just like I've got this technique to where it's got to be dry the next day, and it's yeah, always it's always dry. It's always dry the next day. Well, how many sessions would you normally spend on a painting? It <laughs> it depends. It you know, it feels like it like a lot of those um, time lapses. It looks like you're doing the the majority of it in in the first setting yeah uh, for the studies for the studies because okay. you know i'm trying to make those i don't know i'm trying i try and get them in one sitting but but usually i'll go back even even um on the time lapses it'll there'll be a cut where it's dried okay. dried the next day if i wanted to do some detailing type stuff but um uh i mean i i'm using liquid fine detail lately which is their version of it's probably like the alkyd medium because it's more like well it's more thin whereas liquid okay. is kind of gelatinous a little bit okay yeah this one is quite thin it's it's kind of nice okay I like the difference so, the and, other one was getting thicker like i bought i used to buy them in large quantities mm -hmm. so by the time i was running out of a jar i'd have you know i'd have one of those big cans like this yeah and it was like fucking Thick butterscotch, you know, <laughs> yeah, at the end. <laughs> and it's like pretty deep yellow, you know. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> signed up. And and you know, uh, you're, you're you're doing a lot of glazing. I mean, are you kind yeah. of like glazing throughout? Or are you just kind of like adding layers and layers and layers, sort of? Yeah, like uh, there's really no like method to it, but it usually does start out with a pretty thin glaze and then I'll kind of go in with a bunch of fat paint mm -hmm. to like give like really nice thick confident textures but then I'll come back in with thin which which I think is sort of a no-no but I'm just always going back and forth from thin to thick thin to thick yeah yeah I do that um, too I mean I think yeah. if, I think if you're you're especially if you're using a uh 
a drying medium that it doesn't matter. The fat over lean thing doesn't really matter. It only matters if you're using uh, like no medium in, in a, right, right. you know, fat paint. And then like, I don't know. It's, you know what I mean? It's like if it takes yeah, slow, yeah. slower to dry the under uh, underneath layer or faster or whatever it is. But um, the thing with me is always that I am trying not to lose the drawing because I'm so, like, I'm a little fussy that way. You know, like if I completely lose the drawing, then I'm, I feel really worried. I'm not going to get it back <laughs> to like the charm that was in the drawing. Right. Or so a lot of my technique is about like trying to preserve the line until the last moment. When okay. It, you know, it's not going to be a problem. Then I'll just like obscure it. Interesting. But it's always, to me, it's always like a, a situation of like obscuring as much as you can and making it into a mess. And then, coming back the next day and like defining things again, mm -hmm. but not too much that it. Yeah. I was trying to make everything sort of like balance between really sloppy and really refined. Right. And yeah. Yeah. So it's just like, uh, always going back and forth. The yeah. More like, I think that's kind of why the fact that I don't know what I'm doing is an, is a, like an advantage in a way mm -hmm. because I, I'm just going over and over and over stuff. And that gives it a kind of like luster. Right. And, yeah. Like, yeah. When it works, I really like the way it works. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I agree again. That's like, you know, for, for me, it's one of the things I gave up when I started being a little more disciplined on how I make yeah. the paintings. Yeah. And now I'm kind of like, man, I just want to, I want to do like I used to do, which is, Cause when I first started, I would put a canvas up. I was just so raring to go. I had all this, I wanted to be a painter so bad for so long. I just would start. I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't have a sketch That's or me. anything and I would just start <laughs> painting. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, but you have a, a drawing, so you're designing at this yeah, point, you're, true. you're designing in a, with the sketch at the sketch stage, you're designing the painting. Yeah. Like I do, uh, I basically try to do doodles. Like I do a lot of doodles. Yeah. I try to not have a particular objective in mind, but then at the end of the day, I've got a stack of doodles and I go through them and, and like some of them will just jump out at me. This that is should be exactly what I do. <laughs> so I basically scan everything and then uh, put it all into one huge Photoshop document where they're all, they're all just lined up, you know, mm. and then I'll just like move them around and make little collages and like, Oh, this works with that. Oh, cool. Background okay. element for this. And, just do it over and over and over until you find something that uh, is like undeniable. Right. And then, and then I'll just uh, like print it out on canvas and go for it. Oh, so you have a, you print it on canvas? Yeah. Yeah. So you have a big printer? I have a big printer. <laughs> Which one? Uh, it's the 1180. The Epson? Epson 1180. Okay. Yeah, uh, I got that through a stroke of luck as well. I didn't. <laughs> Mr. Luck. All, all this fucking luck. <laughs> yeah, a friend of mine let me uh, take that when we moved in here, and um, it saved me a lot of money. Yeah, I yeah. Don't have to, like, I used to project it like everybody else, and that was, like, the most stressful thing in my career was that moment when <laughs> trace bad projection. The projectors like, are amazing now, though. That's the thing. Oh, That's yeah? the thing. I had one of those shitty projectors that I bought when I first started, like around 2000 and it was terrible. And now they're like, 
you know, they hook through uh, Bluetooth to your phone and they're oh, wow. super bright. It's like the, the same ones, you know, they're like 120, 150 bucks. They're the same ones that people use to like project TV shows or movies that they're watching. Oh, wow. That's and, cool. And they're, and they're like, you know, this big, they're small and they're so bright. They're just really. The one, the one I used to use, I got from my friend JJ in California. He used to work in the film industry. Oh, okay. He found out about the storage room that had like something like 30 of these like antique. Oh, damn. I bet they worked well though. Huge worked great. Yeah. Like, it worked so great. But the, the only problem was it had a thousand watt bulb. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I, I put in the piece of paper, I'd go, you know, sit and start, um, tracing. And in the course of about 20 minutes, the, the heat would actually shrink the paper. Oh my God. <laughs> so the whole thing was like distorting as I'm drawing. Oh my them. God. Wow. <laughs> so anyway, when, when the idea of like printing a sketch onto a piece of canvas happened, yeah. I was like, I'm in. You know, like okay. That's... Okay. I got to ask you about this now. This is because this, yeah, this sounds really um, like a great way to work. Now, what's the width that you can print on your printer? uh almost six feet i think holy shit so you got one of yeah. the huge and it'll ones. go 100 feet long yeah yeah because i've got oh. like a p sure epson sure color p5000 which is like it only goes 17 inches wide but i can do my um my i do my own canvas clays my 11 by 14 canvas clays oh yeah i can print those out and i do all my paper prints through there um but uh Costs like a thousand dollars to fill with ink. I'm sure yours probably costs more if it's. Yeah, <laughs> but they last forever though, because it's like the, they prof do the professional. Like I basically only print, uh, like sort of monochromatic line drawings. So like I go through go through very little ink. Oh, uh, okay. So you're not printing your gclays and stuff that you you sell. I have I have another printer for that stuff. Yeah. Uh, okay. What's what what's the print? That print one's a four eight eighty. Oh, okay. Yeah. That was the one I used to have. It was, uh, okay. well, it was a 4,800 Epson 4,800 and it finally died on me. And so I got the P5000. Uh, actually 4,800 sounds right. I think that might be what I have. Yeah. I, there may be a 4,880 that's like a later, ver a better version of the 4,800. I don't know. Cause it, mine was old. Um, but it works great. So, but you are yeah, still finicky though. Aren't don't you find not not the well the yeah the four four the uh forty uh uh forty eight hundred was it had some issues but I got the P five thousand is just like it's brand new yeah. and it's mm. just phew, no problems man no oh, bad man. prints it's so good it's just like you know I think there's maybe ten or fifteen years in between the 4,800 and the P 5,000. So it's like, okay. you know, it's the same prints, the same size, but it's I look just, forward to that. It's so it's like nice. With, with my printer, it's like, I'll, I'll do a print and then it goes dormant for, you know, weeks. Oh yeah. That, that's I'll, when you have problems. I'll boot everything up and it's like, Oh fuck, I got to do this. It clogs, if, it clogs <clears throat> easily. Those old ones, if you're not using them constantly. Yeah. I'm uh, just not, uh, I get easily frustrated by stuff like that. Yeah. I guess. Okay. I got to ask though. So your canvas that you're printing, what kind of canvas are you using? It's a, uh, it's an Epson canvas. Oh really? Okay. So you can just, yeah. you can paint oils on top of M Epson canvas. 
That's awesome, man. (laughs) (laughs) I know a lot of artists do this. I just always wondered if you had to use a certain canvas or. uh, I like it. Uh, It seems stable as far as I can tell. It seems very durable. That's so cool. Yeah, I I definitely streamlines things for me, you know, like. Yeah. uh, You know, I've, I've done all that you know, traditional methods of doing things and, uh, and it takes forever. I don't, I don't feel nostalgic about, yeah. about it. It's like, give me the, the easiest thing because Absolutely. painting is hard. You know? Yeah. That can yeah. Be yeah. Yeah. None of the, none of the old masters would be mixing their own paints and shit if they, if they didn't have to, I mean, that's why they, they had assistants doing that stuff for them. Yeah. Yeah. But okay. And the other thing, tell me about your easel back here or your lack of easel. It's like you have oh, yeah. just up on a wall. Which I've yeah, been, so th- I've been uh, thinking about going that way lately. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of complicated. Like it's not complicated. It's sort of simple, but it's complicated to explain. Oh, okay. I actually, I actually made a YouTube video to explain it in, in more detail. But, oh, okay. But I'll tell you like basically, ugh, see that, that wooden square right there. Mm-hmm. That's the only part that's attached to the wall. So the wall is not being damaged with like screws and staples and all that stuff. But off of that, you've got these two vertical bars. And on the vertical bar, there's these three pegs. I see. And the pegs hold this um, horizontal bar Mm -hmm. so that that can go up and down, Mm -hmm. you know, so you don't have to like crane your neck down or like get on a stool or whatever. You can just be pulling your painting up and down. And that bar is holding my, um, my, uh, what do you call that thing? Mall stick. Uh-huh. So that I don't have to be like, it's not falling over all the time. Right. It's just like, and, uh, and then this bar, this skinny bar, that's what I staple the painting onto. Oh, wow. And then it can be taken off like this. And I can just take it in the next room. Oh, that's great. I can so in the next room I have a, an area where I I can hang multiples of those. Mm-hmm. So so basically I can have like a number of large paintings or many many medium sized paintings going at all, like all the time. So when one's wet I put it in the other room, take out something else. That's great, man. Yeah, I love it. How'd you yeah. did you just design that yourself? I came up with the idea for it, and um, my friend John Graff fabricated it. That's so cool. Yeah, I love it. And so, in fact, in my last studio, it was even wider. Like it was capable of going very, very wide. Damn. But I had to cut it down for this place. <laughs> so you don't mind painting on a? I've never painted on a loose canvas before. It's always I mean, stretched. Do it. I I started doing it very early on, so um, I'm just really used to it. Like it's it would probably be annoying to a lot of people that there's a bit of play sometimes, mm-hmm. but there's ways of like doing dealing with that where you sort of tape down the edges with masking tape or okay, something. Yeah. But, um, the advantage for me is that I can, I can ship it rolled. Yeah. Which is much like where yeah. I feel safer. Um, like shipping a painting is 13 feet wide is forget it. You know, super expensive. Yeah. Yeah. So this will just, I can ship like an entire show in one tube, you know? That's yeah. I remember uh, Gary got uh, a a big ass. I think it was an odd nerdrum, a wow. big ass odd nerdrum, and it just yeah. was like it came rolled up, 
No, rolled okay. up in plastic, and you could see the painting like it was clear plastic. Like they just wow. sent it like that. You're kidding? No, no. Unless it wow. was like in some other box, but he was showing me. I don't think it was. I think they just sent it. It was crazy. This like you know, I don't know how expensive that painting was. It's just like wrapped in plastic for the world to see. <laughs> I think when I came up with this idea, it was after my big um, Billy Shire show. So it wasn't as long ago as I thought. Okay. I shipped, I shipped that show all stretched and it, it was all in like three big wooden crates and it cost oh. a fortune to ship from here to LA, you know? Oh man. And so that's what I thought. Like there's gotta be a better way. Yeah. Know? Well, I've, you know, I've kept my, I, if I show at Copro, so it's like, and I'm local. It's like, you know, yeah, less you guys are so lucky. I know. Yeah. Yeah. But for, you know, when I do stuff out of state, I just keep it kind of smaller. So that's the problem. It's just, I, I just can't, I want to do these big epics like you're doing, but it's, uh, I can't really afford to because no one's yeah, commissioning giant saying. paintings. And it's like, but you know what I would love to see out of you though? What's that? Like a big painting like that every once in a while. Yeah, definitely. So you got it going on the side. You try not to like, you know, stress about it too much, but over time. Yeah. Like, I've boom. I've got this amazing frame my framer got. He, I don't know where he got it, but it's this huge black, thick, like gothic, ornate, creepy wow. looking black frame. And it's um, yeah. four foot by six foot. And I don't think I've ever painted that big. That's like big for me. And, um, so he's holding it for me. I just need to make, I just need to like come up with something that's cool that's enough. Amazing. And it's like, yeah, that's it. So I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Like I know. <laughs> I just, I just feel like it's a no brainer that if you make something like that big and epic that it's going to sell eventually anyway. So, yeah, I think, yeah, maybe it's I just a long, it's more of a long-term investment is all right. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's. I'm just so used to, um, you know, having to having to make it count, having to yeah. make, it needs to sell because I'm like, kind of going month to month with things. Yeah. Um, but I know it's hard to fit in one more task, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, Mario will do that. She'll be like, "Well, why don't you just, you know, do this, you know, in the time in between things?" Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean. This is why I took the year the year off of doing a show is is because so I can get caught up so I could do stuff like yeah. that you know because yeah. I've just got I've got too many commissions. Uh, okay, we got to mention your big cartel, uh, and you have right. a, yeah, a, a lot of cool sketches, stuff on your big cartel. Sketches and prints, and uh, even some little paintings uh, on my it's big cartel dot Dave Cooper I think. Yes. Big, and uh commissions like if anybody wants commissions they can contact me through that too oh cool or my instagram too is uh, at dave cooper 67 cool yeah and i'll put all that stuff in the um in the description and uh what was i going to ask you about yeah i was surprised you have a lot of stuff and your a lot of original work on your big cartel hmm. a lot of yeah, sketches really, yeah. and, and i was really into that for a while um it, I felt like it was a new, it was like a, a way to connect with fans that mm -hmm. I used to have in the old days when I did comics and people right. would write to me and stuff like that. So it was kind of exciting for, uh, to be able to just connect directly with fans again. Yeah. So basically I have like, you know, I've always got a 
gigantic stack of sketches around here. So mm -hmm. I just started posting them and yeah, and the preparatory drawings and prints too. Yeah, and they're like you know affordable too. Yeah, you know? they're, they're not right they're not crazy prices. It's like I think that's what's cool. It's like a someone someone can own a piece of your work and not be you know wealthy <laughs> and it's original yeah, piece. I've always you know? like. I've always liked the idea of having like something for every price range. Definitely. You know, you know, I have my big gallery shows. I'd always produce like one or two of these little things. Right. So if somebody showed up early, they could like, grab yeah. something. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome, man. Wow. Well, that was an excellent conversation. I appreciate you taking the yeah, time. I love talking to you, man. Yeah. I got to have you on again. Hopefully you'll come on again sometime. Cause I just feel like yeah, there's so you. much stuff I didn't ask you that I don't want to keep you here four hours. But, um, yeah. Yeah. I'd like to learn more about you. It's, uh, been really nice talking to you. Oh yeah. Do you well, have any like, you know, similarities and parallels? There yeah. Yeah. It, it's a trip. Yeah. I, I was like, oh, this, this guy's, I can believe we were like both Scorpios, I think, you know, you're Scorpio, yeah, that's, right? That's another weird Same one. year and everything. It's How many trip. days? What, were, what was your date again? November 12th. 12th. Okay. And you're the, I don't know. You're like, seven. yeah, seven. So it's like. 12, five, days. five days yeah amazing wow well, anyway <laughs> it was awesome so that we we have to the last thing we have to do is just say goodbye this is what i do customarily at the end of the podcast so just say just say goodbye to the audience just goodbye say, goodbye thank you it's for been pleasant speaking with you <laughs>